Blog Talk Radio.
Greetings. This is Abayomi Azikawe. Welcome back uh, to another edition of the Pan-African Journal. The Pan-African Journal is an audio news magazine. It's brought to you here on a weekly basis. I am your host, uh, Abayomi Azikawe. Today is Saturday, February the 19th, uh, 2022. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit. Uh, We would like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Once again, to yet another edition uh, of uh, the Pan-African Journal Worldwide Radio Broadcast. Uh, Later on, we'll be bringing you our regular Pan-African Newswire report. Uh, We'll have dispatches on the opposition in Ethiopia to a bill uh, aimed at undermining the authority of the government in Addis Ababa. The Sudanese uh, mass democratic forces are continuing to demand an immediate end uh, to military rule. The Malian military regime has called for the rapid departure of French military forces uh, from the West African states. And 15 people have been reportedly killed in a bomb explosion in the Horn of Africa state of Somalia. In the second and third hours, we continue our focus on African American History Month with a reexamination of the life, times, and contributions of Dr. Huey P. Newton uh, and uh, the Black Panther Party. These and other features will be brought to you uh, during the course of our program. We want you to stay tuned. Uh, We'll bring you right now the music of uh, Fela Analapo Kuti uh, from the album entitled Aphrodisiac. Yeah, hold on, hold on. 
and government of Ethiopia and undermining all the positive steps taken to ensure peace. H.R. 6600 affects Ethiopia in several aspects, and fellow Africans are expected to stand with Ethiopia by rejecting ill-conceived proposals. Likewise, the Ethiopian American Civic Council, the EACC, announced that it has reached out to all members of the House and Senate to reject the H.R. 6600 bill aimed at halting uh, the peace initiatives launched uh, by the Ethiopian government. The council denounced the bill as untimely, a resolution which failed to address the root causes of the conflict. The EACC Public Relations, Masula Kasa, said uh, H.R. 6600 is initiated under the guise of ensuring peace and stability, but it is working against Ethiopia's peace process and development. It is the sneaky bill drafted to help the Tigray People's Liberation Front agenda of dismantling the country by overlooking crimes committed by the faction in the adjacent Amhara and Afar states. Meanwhile, the spokesperson stressed that the 35th Ordinary Session of the Assembly of Heads of State and Government of the African Union which was held in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, was greatly successful. The two-day summit was conducted peacefully and passed different resolutions that would have paramount importance to the continent. African leaders deliberated on different pressing issues, including COVID-19 pandemic, lack of peace and stability, as well as unconstitutional regime change that have ravaged the continent. They also conferred on social and economic development of Africa and reached consensus to strengthen collaboration to overcome challenges. By the same token, uh, the African Union Summit adopted Kiswahili as an additional working language in addition to English, French, and Arabic, Dina uh, remarked. And um, in other news uh, taking place on the continent, in Sudan, the continuation of human rights violations an arbitrary detention in the country means rejection of the United Nations efforts to restore a civilian-led democratic transition. That's according to the Forces for Freedom and Change. They made this statement on Friday. The FFC leadership met with the special representative of the Secretary General for Sudan, Volker Pertes, uh, as he concluded the first phase of consultations aiming to facilitate a Sudanese-led dialogue process. Also, it took place uh, after a meeting uh, with the head uh, of uh, the Sovereign Council, Abdel Fattah al-Bahan, to discuss the need to create a suitable atmosphere and to end violent repression and detention of the FFC leaders and pro-democracy activists. In a statement released uh, after the meeting, the FFC said they voiced deep concern about the increasing extrajudicial detention of, anti of activists uh, and the grave violations of human rights in the country. Also, they spoke about the torture of some detainees like Tobak, a Sudanese youth accused of killing a senior police officer under questionable circumstances. His mother said they pierced his feet with four nails. During the meeting with the United Nations uh, delegation head, uh, the Forces for Freedom and Change leaders pointed to the continuation of the coup leaders to confront the pro-democracy protests with bloody repression, with arrests, pursuits, and other violations, as well as threats against journalists to arrest them 
or to close down their newspapers. You're listening to uh, the Pan-African Newswire segment of uh, the Pan-African Journal. In the West African state of Mali, the ruling uh, military regime is demanding the immediate departure of French and European forces a day after France announced that it will withdraw its troops from the West African country. The government invites the French authorities to withdraw without delay. Malian government spokesman uh, Colonel Abdullahi Maiga said uh, on yesterday over national television. French President Emmanuel uh, Macron made the withdrawal announcement Thursday saying that it would take place over a six-month period. Speaking at a news conference in Brussels Friday, Macron uh, said the withdrawal of French forces will be implemented in an orderly manner in order to ensure the security of the UN peacekeeping force in the country and the security of French soldiers that will not compromise security, he insisted. France has about 2,400 troops in Mali as part of its 4,300 troops in West Africa aimed at stabilizing the Sahel region against the rising threat of Islamic extremism ostensibly. Known as Operation Burkani, uh, it is also involved in Chad, Niger, Burkina Faso, and Mauritania. France uh, ultimately aims to reduce the number of its troops, so they say, in the Sahel to about 2,500 or 3,000, according to the French Armed Forces. France's deployment of troops to Mali in 2013 initially met with success, succeeding in dislodging uh, rebels uh, from three centers in northern Mali. But uh, the jihadist organizations simply relocated in the vast desert areas where their attacks have increased in recent years. Since an August 2020 coup d'etat, Mali has been led by Colonel Asimi Guaita, who carried out a second coup dismissing the civilian leaders in a Malian transitional government and putting himself in charge during 2021. Many Malians have since staged large demonstrations against the presence of troops from France from a colonial power. Experts and former politicians express worry that the jihadi groups will take advantage of France's pullout, while others noted that Mali's security has not improved despite the presence of the French imperialist forces. Senegal's President Macky Sall, who also chairs the African Union at present, raised doubts about the future of the peacekeeping United Nations mission in Mali after the French troops leave. President uh, Saul said uh, if there are no longer forces like Burhani, which were there with logistical and intelligence resources, are we to ensure the continuity of the United Nations mission in Mali, he asked. Uh, Saul asked to end the EU African summit in Brussels uh, on Friday. He said, if there is no longer any force in Mali, how can the Malian army alone ensure the defense of its territory today? And finally, one of Africa's state of Somalia, uh, breaking news, says that police say uh, at least 15 people are dead after a suicide bomber detonated an explosive vest in a crowded restaurant during the lunch hour in Beledwin, the capital of Somalia's Kidan region. The dead were mostly civilians, and 20 other people were wounded. Uh, police spokesman Denis Roble Ahmed uh, told the international press by telephone. The blast caused a huge damage, uh, the police official said. The Al-Shabaab extremist group claimed responsibility for the attack. The explosion comes amid Somalia's long-delayed and often tense election process uh, in the Horn of Africa. 
And with that, uh, we're going to conclude uh, the Pan-African Newswire segment of the Pan-African Journal. We'd like to remind our listeners that the Pan-African Newswire is an international electronic press service. Uh, It is designed to foster intelligent discussions on the affairs of African people throughout the continent and the world. The press agency was founded in January of 1998, and since then it has published thousands upon thousands of articles and dispatches in numerous newspapers, uh, magazines, journals, research reports, and on blogs and websites throughout the world. The Pan-African Newswire represents the only daily international news source on Pan-African and global affairs. If you'd like to log on to the Pan-African Newswire so you can stay abreast of some of the most pressing and burning issues of the day, just go to our website at uh, panafricannews.blogspot.com. That's panafricannews.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to have access to today's uh, Pan-African Journal, worldwide uh, radio broadcast uh, for Saturday, uh, February the 19th, uh, 2022, just go uh, to uh, the Pan-African Radio Network. And uh, that's at uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. The program's links can be shared on emails, uh, blogs and websites, and on social media networks such as Facebook and Twitter. This is Abayomi Azikawe. Uh, We'll take a break. We'll be back with more of our program for this week. I really must confess I would rather 
Welcome back. The voice of the legendary uh, Phyllis Hyman, uh, come right or not at all. And uh, you are listening to the Pan-African Journal Worldwide Radio Broadcast uh, for Saturday, February the 19th, uh, 2022. And this, uh, of course, is African American History Month in the United States. And uh, we are, as every year, every day, every weekend, every month, commemorate uh, the history and historical legacy of African people internationally. And we emphasize the resistance history of the African people, which is glorious and, of course, substantial. Uh, Today, we're going to look at the legacy of Dr. Huey P. Newton, who just uh, two days ago uh, represented the 80th anniversary of his birth uh, in 1942 in Louisiana. He grew up uh, in Oakland, California, and uh, eventually uh, became the co-founder of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense in 1966 uh, in Oakland, California. In uh, October of 1967, uh, Newton became embroiled in a gun battle uh, with uh, the Oakland police. One Oakland police officer was killed, another wounded. Newton himself was wounded and taken into custody. Uh, He remained uh, incarcerated uh, from October of 1967 until August of 1970. While in in, in prison, uh, the Black Panther Party uh, grew across the United States and gained an international reputation, opening an office 
in Algiers, Algeria in 1969, the international section of the Black Panther Party. Uh, this interview is the earliest interview we could find um, of a uh, recorded interview uh, with uh, Huey P. Newton. This was on March 7th of 1968. Uh, he had been uh, incarcerated for four and a half months. Uh, it's the interview was done, it appears, over KPFA radio in the Bay Area in California. Uh, in addition uh, to the radio uh, reporter and commentator, uh, Huey P. Newton, along with his lawyer, uh, Charles Gary, is featured in this uh, rare archival audio file, along uh, with uh, Huey P. Newton's companion at the time. Uh, it's a very interesting uh, interview. Um, Let's listen uh, to this interview of March 7th, 1968 at the Almeida Courthouse of uh, Huey P. Newton. This is Colin Edwards. At 9 a.m. on Thursday, March 7th, I went down to the Alameda County Courthouse to cover the preliminary to the trial of the young Black Panther leader, Huey P. Newton, who was accused of the murder of one Oakland policeman and the wounding of another charges which Mr. Newton vehemently denies. For the first time at a court appearance of Mr. Newton or any other Black Panthers or young radicals, I was barred from entering the courthouse for lack of a police pass. Also excluded were a French news photographer and a People's World photographer. So I didn't get to see Mr. Newton in court. However, an hour later I was able, to my surprise, to record Mr. Newton in the detention quarters on the 10th floor as he talked with three American reporters and myself, and his lawyer, Mr. Charles Gary. Mr. Gary had earlier brought me up to date on the status of Mr. Newton's case when I was finally admitted to the courthouse after the trial preliminary had ended and after Mr. Gary had held a press conference on the fourth floor. Mr. Gary, I was, I was kept outside the courthouse until now. Could you very quickly summarize it for KPFA, the situation as of now? The situation as of now, the court has uh, picked a trial judge, Judge Monroe Friedman in, De in Department 8. The case has been set for trial on May the 6th, 1968. Has there been any change in the situation with regard to the charges? Have they dropped any charges? Have they brought up new evidence? Have they shown you any evidence? No, they have not dropped any of the charges. We have a substantial amount of the so-called evidence, uh, but we do not have the list of the witnesses so that we can interview them and be able to prepare for this case. Uh, and normally, the defense is given these things, uh, the names of witnesses, are there? Normally, they're given those uh, names uh, if the defense attorney makes the proper motions, and we have made the proper motions. Before meeting Mr. Newton, and indeed, before I even knew I could interview him, I met his sister and his fiancée. Now, because members of Mr. Newton's family have been subjected to unpleasant harassment, I will not identify them by name. Mr. Newton's sister turned out to be a lady of great dignity, the picture of respectability, but added to that a gentle, serene countenance. The uh, poor people, the Negro people, I mean, he's always felt very strong about this and different things that happened, I'm sure is what drove him more to believe that something needed 
to be done about it. Is this a gradual progression to this, uh, to this Gradu- stage? Gradually, you say? Mm-hmm. Well, yes, I guess, yes, it wasn't a jumped up thing, if that's yes. what you mean. Yes, uh, yes, gradually, all, all along. Like I say, you know, he um, thinks of the betterment of man, things that need doing. He believes you should get up and do something about it. He's always been this way, even as a child. He likes sports, he likes music, and he's very interested in history. And I think in reading history and seeing how the world really is, is another thing that encouraged him. Do you feel that Huey stands any chance of having a fair trial? Sometimes I have hope and sometimes listening, I doubt it. I, I can't see how it's possible. I, I don't feel, I hope he has more courage than I have, but feeling the way I feel about it, uh, I, me personally, it, it don't seem, up to this point it haven't gone fair. This is what I base it on. It haven't gone fair up to this point. So naturally, I don't have much hope for it going fair any further. It must be a very drastic thing to happen to any family. Yes, it is. Yes, my my mother is, is ill, and my father is too. He tries to go on to work, but my mother can never make it to court. She says she comes in, but by the time, you know, I have to take it to what the doctor. What does your father do? He worked for the city of Oakland. Mm-hmm. My mother's housewife. Yes. A quiet family, Negro family, yes. and suddenly this happens. Yeah, my to them. father is a minister, by the way. Is he? Yes. Now, uh, some of the press here have been uh, branding. Uh, Huey and other leaders in the Black Panther Party as anti-white racists. Would you like to say something about Huey's attitude on this question? Uh, of course, she wasn't in court this morning, another lady. Uh, I wasn't allowed in. <laughs> oh, you wasn't allowed in. Anyway, she wasn't there. That's, that is Huey's girlfriend, the girl of that. But before he met her, Huey's girlfriend was a white girl. So this proves. Before that girl, she was a Filipino girl. So this proves that he has no qualms. He's not British at all. And my father is half white. So uh, this goes kind of far back, so we have no connection with the white family. But, I mean, this would uh, kind of detour the British to Mr. Newton's fiancée, an extremely attractive young black lady with classic features, is, like Mr. Newton himself, very musically inclined and she has shown great promise as a singer. I asked her, too, about the anti-white label applied to Mr. Newton. As far as being anti-white, this is, um, you know, ridiculous. I think this is just uh, retaliation on the part of the system to, uh, you know, try and knock the Panthers, to try and say that the Panthers are wrong, and to use any sort of devious method against them. Uh, I, Huey has always expressed that he is anti-oppressor, and uh, I am anti-oppressor, um, and I think that uh, any person that believes in right would be anti-oppressor. Not, it's not anti-color of any kind, it's just the oppressor. Well, Huey is um, he's a very energetic person, dynamic, and very kind and gentle. Uh, for instance, every time he he passes me, uh, although we're in the same house or in the same room, he'll say hi. 
how are you doing? You know, or he, he, you know, he's very considerate towards people. Mm-hmm. Did he did he talk much to you about his um, his future, his plans, his hopes? Well, we both believe that uh, this is just another obstacle, and that it will soon be over. And uh, from there, uh, his future too much hasn't been mapped out. But I'm sure we'll be working on it. How do you feel about this trial? Do you think that he stands any chance of getting a fair trial? Um, As it stands now, uh, as far as fairness, I don't think that fairness is being displayed in the many things that have been brought up in the trial. I think that it's a deliberate attempt to railroad him. But I believe that because he is right, and I believe that he is innocent, And uh, I believe in him that I think that things will work out fine. We look forward to them working out. Have you suffered any victimization or harassment of any sort uh, as a result of having been close to Mr. Newton? Well, calls to my job, my home, uh, being followed. uh, Being followed by whom? (laughs) I don't know, just men in cars, you know, and... Uh, just the, the regular intimidation process that they go through. But this, uh, I, because of uh, my belief in Huey and uh, in the philosophy of the Panthers, that I don't, uh, I don't let anything like that bother me. Have you suffered any ostracization at all, for instance? You work in an office, too? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a secretary, are you? No, I'm a counselor. Mm-hmm. Have you suffered any sort of reactions from people there as a result of this case or the whole Black Panther movement? Some. Uh, you work with white people, I take it. Uh, no, I work with uh, primarily black people. Oh. Uh, I work with some white. And oddly enough, um, some of the ostracization came through uh, black people, you know. Uh, I, should, I shouldn't say black people, I should say, in quotes, Negroes, unquote. <laughs> and, uh, but I think that uh, everyone is just sort of resolved to the fact that uh, I'm with you and there's nothing that anyone can do about it. So they've sort of uh, swallowed it. Well, now let's meet Mr. Newton himself. He's a rather handsome young man, a sort of darker-skinned version of Horst Buchholz or Warren Beatty. The photographs on the posters and pamphlets I've seen really do not do him justice. With me interviewing him in the cell were Mrs. Joan Didier, who is a Saturday Evening Post columnist, Mr. Ray Rogers of the Los Angeles Times, and Mr. Eldridge Cleaver, an editor at Ramparts magazine and himself a prominent figure in the Black Panther Party. Mr. Newton's attorney, Mr. Charles Gary, was also present, and he put in a question or remark once or twice. Copyright to this group interview belongs to the Huey P. Newton Defense Fund, without whose specific consent no reproduction or publication of Mr. Newton's remarks can be made. The next voice you'll hear will be that of Mr. Huey P. Newton. We ran into the problem of people misinterpreting uh, us as a political party. Uh, they use the word uh, for self-defense as, uh, as uh, they define us then as a group that uh, were a paramilitary group or, uh, or uh, bodyguards of something of this nature. But um, 
we found that uh, it was very difficult. Even in our program, we described uh, or defined ourselves as a political party, but yet people uh, seem to misinterpret the, uh, the definition of what self-defense is all about. Uh, we realize that uh, when we're assaulted in the community by the uh, Gestapo tactics of the police, this is also a political thing. Uh, we're assaulted because we're black people and because uh, the power structure uh, finds it uh, uh, to their advantage uh, to uh, keep us imprisoned in our black community and uh, as uh, a colonialized or a, a colonial people are kept by uh, some foreign power. So um, the police uh, is only an arm of the white power structure used very similar as uh, their military force, which it is a military force. It's their uh, local police, and you have the National Guard as the national police, and then you have the regular military as the uh, international police. And um, these police are used to, um, to occupy our community just as a foreign troop occupies territory. They don't live in our community, the police, and uh, don't. And, um, they have no respect for black people who live in the community, yet uh, they occupy the community. Uh, and they're not occupying the community for the welfare and the benefit of the people who live there. They're occupying it to uh, make sure that the uh, businessmen who are systematically robbing our community are safe. Um, so this was one part of our political stand. And uh, to, make, to make the party uh, for basically for the intellectuals because the grassroots of the community, uh, the people who we're most concerned with because uh, the lower class black who represents about 95% of the black population throughout this nation, uh, they understood very well what we stood for. Uh, but to make it clear to everyone, we changed the name to the Black Panther Party and uh, uh, to make it clear what our political stand was about. Mr. Newton, um, some newspapers and radio stations, television stations, sort of brand the Black Panther leadership, you and Mr. Seal and others, as anti-white, racist, sort of counter-racism. Would you like to clear up this matter? Uh, yes, that, uh, the Black Panther Party is against racism. We're not racist, but uh, we stand uh, to protect the black community and to rid America of racism. Uh, we're... we're uh, subject to the tactics of races by the white establishment, and, uh, but it's a very uh, common thing for uh, the people who are in control of the mass media to define the victim as the criminal, or to define the victim of racism as the racist. Uh, this is just a propaganda device that's used by the power structure so that uh, they will uh, gain support uh, throughout the white community who uh, a small portion of it uh, happen not to be racist. But uh, in order to uh, uh, consolidate their troops, uh, they will uh, claim that we want racism, therefore to turn uh, all white people against us. Have you uh, felt good about some young white people uh, sort of coming out in support of your case and uh, taking a political position on it? Uh, Yes, the, the white revolutionaries are the uh, enlightened part of the white community has responded uh, and came to the defense of the black community and uh, have come to the defense of the vanguard group of the black community, which is the Black Panther Party, and that uh, we think we'll see more of this in the future.
talk for a moment about yourself, your life, you know, before the Black Panther Party? I think that uh, before the Black Panther Party, um, that my life was very similar to most black people in the country. I'm from a, uh, a lower class black family, a working uh uh, a working-class family, and uh, I've uh, suffered the abuses of the power structure just as uh, uh, all black people in America have. And uh, I've responded, and that uh, black people are responding now. So I see very little difference in my uh, personality than any other uh, black person living here in racist America. I mean, what shaped your, atti your, your attitude towards these, towards the institutions that you're, you're indicting? Um, living here in America, it, it reminds me of a, a quote that uh, from James Baldwin. Uh, he says that to uh, to uh, be black and conscious in America is to be in a constant state of rage, and I think this is uh, very true of uh, black people in general in this country. Many black people, uh, uh, most black people, as I said, that are uneducated and uh, they're not used to handling academic things and uh, administrating. Uh, so their response might have been somewhat different than mine, but uh, they will rally behind a political party that's uh, representing their grievance. So uh, all the Black Panther Party has done is to uh, articulate and bring out uh, the grievances of the black community. Can you think of some, recall some incidents that sort of brought home to you the attitude of a majority of white people towards Negroes and the attitude of the black, of the white establishment? You like a specific incident? Uh, can, you know, people can bring home to people, you know, how this can scar one's soul. And I think you're trying to boil it down to one statement. I don't think that well, I, I can understand that. It's, it's very difficult for me to cite uh, one specific incident because uh, it's a very long uh, uh, process. And that I've started to say that uh, for a white person to understand, let him come to the black community. But this wouldn't be a good example because he couldn't experience the alienation and the, uh, the, uh, the antagonistic uh, attitudes of blacks, blacks that we receive in the white community. And we live in the white world, in the white, uh, white America here, and that uh, uh, any time a white person goes to uh, the black community or a black country, I doubt very seriously whether he experiences this uh, alienation because black people seem to um, have some, uh, some priority on, uh, uh, upon uh, being uh, humanist for some reason. Perhaps it's a uh, historical reason that I can't uh, pinpoint why, but we seem to be uh, more fair as a people to other people than anyone else in the world. Have you had a chance to see this uh, President's Commission on the Civil Disorders report? Uh, I read a couple of accounts of it, yes. Do you think it's hitting pretty close to the mark? I think that some of the statements in the report uh, uh, hit the mark, but uh, as far as uh, the conclusion or the solution to the problem, I think uh, they were wanting in that uh, in that direction. Do 
you think the uh, white establishment and the white people in the, as a whole will take it to heart and do something really effective to solve this problem of racism that it portrayed? Uh, <clears throat> I doubt seriously whether uh, white America is uh, mature enough uh, and mentally well enough to uh, solve this problem without uh, a, uh, a great uh, catastrophe. Are you optimistic about your trial, and do you think it will be a fair trial? Well, I think that black people uh, will make very sure that I receive a fair trial. I have no faith at all in the, uh, in the court system, because uh, I've already suffered an injustice uh, uh, by being indicted by an all-white middle-class uh, grand jury. And uh, so, from my prior uh, experiences, uh, that I would expect for them to, uh, I would expect no change. But uh, I also expect black people to come to my aid and put pressure uh, and see by any means necessary that uh, all black men receive a fair trial. That's including those who are held in the various prisons and county jails at the present time. We're demanding an immediate release for them because we realize that they've suffered uh, the same kind of uh, injustice that I'm suffering now. You know, the Peace and Freedom Party uh, sought to have you run as their candidate in the 7th Congressional District. And we understand that you stated that if the Peace and Freedom Party would endorse the 10-point program of the Black Panther Party, then you would feel uh, free to run. Uh, would you like to comment on that? Uh, that's very true, that uh, the Black Panther Party feels that the essentials that we cited in our platform, the 10-point program, is necessary for any group to accept if we're going to work in coalition with them. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's the basic things that the black community, uh, the, uh, it's the basic demands of the black community. And without accepting the basic demands, uh, we would feel that uh, the person who is seeking coalition is insincere if he cannot accept these uh, uh, ten, uh, ten basic um, philosophies. Points in the ten point program um, is the uh, elimination of all black people from the draft, right? Uh, yes, that's part of it. Uh, we have a ten point program of uh, what we want and what we believe, yeah. and that uh, we state that um, that uh, black people should not be made to fight in a war and uh, to fight, serve in a military and to serve a government that is not uh, working in our benefit and that's not working for our general welfare. That uh, if the government is working against black people and for the destruction of black people, we don't see any need at all for black people to serve in that military uh, that's oppressing us and other colored people throughout the world. So we uh, demand that all black men be released from the military service and not serve at all until this government uh, rightens the wrongs uh, that's been, that have been uh, perpetrated against us. Well, it's, not, it's not an objection to uh, this specific war, it's an objection to, to our government, right? Uh, it's, a, it's an objection to the, uh, the specific war in particular and the government in general. We don't see where we would fight anyone uh, for this uh, racist government that's only uh, oppressing people for uh, economical reasons and race reasons as they're oppressing us in our black colonies throughout America. How did 
first place that uh, the Black Panther Party is a political party. Uh, I don't believe that uh, that Ron Karinga claims to be a, a political organ. Uh, secondly, that uh, uh, Ron Karinga and other, uh, uh, some other nationalist groups uh, seem to be somewhat hung up on the uh, surviving Africanisms or uh, what we call cultural nationalism. And uh, cultural nationalism deals with uh, a return to uh, the old culture of Africa, and uh, that we will somehow become free by uh, identifying and returning to this uh, culture of Africa, say, uh, that was in the 1100s or before then. And uh, uh, somehow uh, they believe that uh, they will be free through identifying this manner. As far as we're concerned, we believe that uh, it's important for us to recognize our origin and to identify with the revolutionary black people of Africa and uh, uh, people of color throughout the world. But as far as returning uh, per se to the ancient customs, uh, we don't see any necess necessity in this. And also, we say that the only culture that's worth really holding on to is revolutionary culture or change uh, for the better and that uh, we say the only way we're going to be free is by seizing power, political power, which uh, comes through the barrel of a gun. And uh, we say that um, we will identify so that uh, we will have this consolidation of people so we have strength and that uh, we will uh, uh, respect ourselves and uh, have the dignity of our past, but uh, many things uh, connected to the culture that uh, we don't feel it's necessary to return to. The Black Panther title and symbol was uh, introduced, I believe, by SNCC in Mississippi and Alabama when they started the Black Panther Party or movement down there. Was this what gave inspiration to the creation of the Black Panther Party here? Uh, yes, I, I was very impressed uh, by the uh, political party in Lowndes County uh, that calls itself a freedom organization, and they use the Black Panther as their symbol. And uh, they use the Black Panther uh, because of the, uh, the nature of a panther, that a uh, panther uh, will not attack anyone, that uh, he will back up first. But uh, if the uh, assailant is persistent, then the Black Panther will strike out and wipe out his aggressor thoroughly, wholly, absolutely, and completely. So we thought that uh, the symbol uh, would be uh, very appropriate for us, and also that uh, we uh, were very—I was very proud of the uh, move that uh, black people in Lowndes County made. Have you had any expressions of sympathy or support from overseas yet? That uh, at this time, that black people all over the world are supporting each other. That uh, we realize that uh, we are being treated by the race of America within the country as other, as other uh, colonized people are treated abroad because for economical reasons, just as we are uh, uh, abused and also for race reasons. I would like to say that uh, communications are kind of bad uh, up here between Huey and the outside world. Uh, for instance, they impose restrictions 
on uh, newspapers and magazines that he could receive books and so forth that uh, would keep him informed on what's going on around the world. Very essential information. Uh, it, it, were he able to get uh, news from the outside, he would know that while Stokely Carmichael was in Africa, uh, there was a Free Huey rally held in Tanzania, and that uh, President Kwame Nkrumah and Sekou Toure have issued uh, public statements uh, to the effect that uh, Huey Newton should be set free. So that there is an awareness, uh, news clippings and so forth are, are sent around the world, and people around the world are aware of this case, they're aware of the pivotal nature of the case, and uh, I'm sure this will become public knowledge when people start checking it out. If you are acquitted and set free, uh, I presume you'll continue into a political clear. Have you thought of returning to law, or are you now bound definitely onto a political career to change those laws by in the Congress or in the state government? Uh, as far as a career, I have one desire, and that, that's to go on fighting for the liberation of black people uh, throughout the world, in particular, the black people here in America. Uh, I, w I would like to uh, relate to uh, the Black Panther Party and uh, our political stand that black people must arm themselves. I think that this has been uh, misinterpreted a number of ways uh, uh, many times. That uh, We've made the statement or quoted it from uh, Chairman Mao that political power comes through the barrel, grows through the barrel of a gun. And uh, the Black Panther Party has analyzed the statement and has uh, come up with the uh, clear realization that uh, any time a people are unarmed and the people and the administrators of that country maintain a regular police force and a regular military, those people, the people of the country are either slaves or subject to slavery at any given moment, that that administration desi uh, desires uh, to inflict the force of their military or police upon the people. So we say that as long as the military and the police force are armed, then uh, black people uh, are, are, uh, <clears throat> uh, should arm themselves. And the many people who have spoken of uh, violence, well, uh, we're advocating violence. We're not advocating violence, but we are advocating that we defend ourselves from the aggression and that uh, if uh, America is armed and uh, if it's right for America to... Uh, arm herself and even commit violence uh, uh, throughout the world, then it's right for black people to arm themselves. And then if it's wrong for America to, uh, to, uh, to um, commit this violence, then, uh, or if it's wrong for black people to commit this violence uh, in their own self-defense, then it's wrong for America to uh, commit this violence against people uh, in America and throughout the world. So uh, it's a... Um, Statement. It reminds me of a statement that uh, Ronald Reagan made uh, shortly after our appearance at uh, the Capitol. That uh, uh, he said something to the effect, or paraphrase, that that uh, in this enlightened time, that uh, people uh, cannot and should not uh, influence other people by the use of physical force and the gun. Uh, but at the same time, that. Uh, we see throughout America the police uh, being heavily armed and now not only being armed but escalating the war against black people and our black communities by ordering heavy uh, military equipment. 
and uh, we think that uh, Reagan should take a look at look at uh, what he's doing and what this American government is doing before he criticized black people for arming themselves to defend themselves against the aggression of America. Do you see yourself as playing a part, say, things uh, assume an orderly process now towards reforms, uh, playing a part in the political scene through the present political structures? I, I think that the present uh, political structure is bankrupt, and this is what the, uh, the game is all about, that the, the present uh, political structure has perpetuated and uh, protected racism and inflicted uh, racism. Uh, so we say that uh, there has to be a drastic change in the political structure. As far as uh, my running for office, that I would only serve one purpose there as a spokesman uh, to articulate the uh, grievances of the black community. And as far as uh, uh, playing the game that uh, some black po politicians have uh, uh, traditionally played, that uh, the day has come for this kind of action to uh, be over. For instance, this is one of the reasons that we feel it's necessary to arm myself in a political fashion. It's, uh, it's a very important thing. For instance, uh, when any um, uh, candidate is going up for political office that uh, he always in the white power structure he always has political power behind him and political power is uh, you can find it in a number of areas you have uh, uh, feudal power or the farmers who own uh, much land and uh, of course they will put a candidate up who uh, will um, serve their welfare and speak in their behalf and uh, the other uh, uh, his uh, political colleagues, uh, the people he has to work with, uh, understand that he has his power behind him. For instance, uh, if the farmers don't get what they want, then uh, they'll let the crops ride in the field if they don't get the price, uh, what they want for the crops. And then you have uh, big uh, business power or economical power where the people who own big businesses will uh, get behind a candidate. And uh, this candidate uh, will simply uh, uh, relay the message of these uh, people who are in big uh, big business and uh, it goes on you have the the cattle owners and so forth and uh, we see that black people uh, uh, black people don't have uh, this political power they don't have economical power they don't have land power we've been robbed uh, for instance uh, our black uh, politicians have been ineffective not uh, much of the time it's not their fault it's simply because they don't have the grassroots political organization behind them um, even if they get votes from black people simply to have a vote doesn't mean political power uh, uh, in the political arena uh, I think it's not political unless there's a, uh, a political consequence if the people don't get what they want and uh, black people in the past haven't been able to offer this consequence for instance uh, uh, according to um, uh, John Hope Franklin, the reason that black reconstruction failed, where you had many black candidates holding offices in the South, wasn't because these black candidates were ignorant or uh, inefficient. Uh, many, of, many of the black candidates had been uh, educated in France and Canada, uh, in England, and uh, they were very efficient. But uh, the reason that it failed is because uh, there was, uh, blacks did not have economical or military power that uh, after they put their man into office, that uh, he was still subject to these people who owned the land, that he was still subject to these people who owned the military. 
uh, so black reconstruction failed. And uh, we say now we can develop a political consequence, we can develop political power by being a potentially destructive force that uh, black people arm themselves in a political fashion, and then if uh, the aggression is continued against us, we'll be able to offer a political consequence, very similar to uh, Detroit. Uh, it's, it's quite a phenomenon going on in the black community these days. Uh, it's quite clear that while you were out, there were a lot of groups and people who opposed uh, your program and refused to uh, approve of the Black Panther Party. But since you've been in jail, a lot of people who opposed you have turned over and are now members of your party. Uh, also, it's becoming necessary for people to take a public stand on this issue because the black community is demanding that. Uh, one thing, they demanded that uh, Willie Brown, in particular, and all other uh, black elected and appointed officials uh, take a, a public stand. They asked the ones who are members of the legislature to stand up on the floor of the legislature and speak out in your defense. They're demanding that, and it's having a, a political effect because this is an election year. For instance, uh, John Miller, and Byron Rumford are trying to run for the same office in Oakland, the 17th uh, Assembly District. Uh, Willie Brown is running again, and John George is seeking to be elected to Congress. And all these people have before them the whole question of where they stand on Huey Newton, and not a meeting goes down without that coming up, and I thought you might be interested in knowing that. Yes. Would, would you expect that to happen? Uh, Well, no, that I, I'm very surprised that uh, it did happen. But after it happened, then in retrospect, uh, I understand uh, what's going on. For instance, the black community is now forcing uh, these uh, political candidates uh, into uh, a direction that they want. Uh, they realize they depend upon black people to vote for them. And uh, black people identify with the Black Panther Party. And uh, they identify with the party more so now than they did in the past, even though we've had great, uh, a great reception from the black community in the past. And the reason for this, in my opinion, is that black people uh, are always impressed by a reality that you could talk all day and articulate all sort of beautiful things, uh, how things could be and how things are, and describe it to the point. And uh, you won't get the response uh, that you would um, that uh, when a reality is put before them. Uh, black people have understood what I've talked about and uh, now that uh, I'm being subject to these very things that I've criticized, they can sympathize uh, with the party on this. And also it, uh, it makes them look around and observe. It brings to their consciousness uh, many things that are happening in the black community that are wrong, many things that people have spoke about and uh, many things that people have uh, uh, suggested uh, change. And uh, they haven't responded to the, to the magnitude that they're responding now simply because it's reality. You cannot deny a reality. And uh, anything that I've said in the past, um, if it didn't relate to the uh, situation, then it was my fault and it wasn't the situation's fault. So black people now are only relating to the reality of their existence. They, they realize that it's not only Huey Newton who's being persecuted, but it's the black community throughout America. And uh, they are responding in their own defense. 
There's been a lot of talk about the generational gap uh, in white families between the young people who are disillusioned with their parents and alienated from them. Is, is there a certain amount of this uh, among black families, and is this part of the problem you have in bringing more adult black people into the movement? Um, I think that uh, the older black people have realized uh, for a very long time the problems, but uh, as far as solution, they've been wanting in solution because the uh, in the past the uh, black uh, political representatives have been uh, somewhat misleading the black community. In other words, that uh, it's been thought in the past that if you can put a, a, a representative into office, you will automatically get justice. But now it's been realized to have a black man in office doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get uh, uh, political justice. Was the reason you dropped your studies of law that you got disgusted with the system of law here? Um, of course I'm disgusted with the, uh, the uh, judicial uh, uh, system, but uh, more than that, that uh, I can only do so much, uh, I can only be uh, so many places at a certain time, and I felt it more important to work to organize within the community than to uh, continue uh, law school. Are you allowed to have any uh, contact with other prisoners in this courthouse here? Uh, no, I I'm kept in uh, what's called the uh, H tank, and uh, it's used uh, as a hospital tank when someone is hurt, but uh, I've recovered very well, and I've noticed that I haven't been moved away from the, uh, the hospital cell, and I don't think uh, the deputies here have any intentions of moving me because they don't want me to, uh, it's been rumored that they don't want me to uh, mix with the other prisoners. Uh, many, uh, although I've converted many black uh, people, I shouldn't say converted because black people are panthers anyway by the definition of the word, but uh, many people who join the party who've come through here simply by screaming back to my uh, cell and uh, I will uh, define the party and give them some understanding of the political direction of the party. Uh, I haven't been abused here uh, primarily for the reason that uh, the um, department uh, has been uh, admonished by the uh, black people uh, to uh, keep their hands off. For instance, when I first came here, uh, this is a rumor again uh, from a reliable source that uh, the, de uh, the captain uh, notified the uh, deputies not to, uh, uh, not to treat me any differently than other prisoners. So I haven't uh, suffered any brutality here. Um, the attitude of the uh, deputies have been somewhat hostile. And uh, just yesterday, for instance, that I got into a um, um, an, uh, somewhat of an argument with one of the deputies uh, for a very petty reason. And uh, the reason was this, that uh, the deputies here demand that when any prisoner addresses him, he, he should address him as sir or mister. And uh, of course, uh, they address the prisoners as uh, by the prisoner's first or last name. Uh, I was asking uh, one of the deputies uh, something yesterday. Um, and uh, he kept walking, and then he abruptly turned around and came back, and he said, whenever you uh, address me, you call me Mr., or you call me Sir. And uh, I told him very fine that I would do that, 
but in return I would uh, demand uh, equal respect and that he would uh, he would uh, speak to me as sir or as mister and uh, he got very upset and he stormed out and uh, approached the lieutenant and uh, told the lieutenant his problem that uh, a prisoner wouldn't call him sir and uh, gave some indication that uh, he wanted to put me in the punishment cell where the um, I was incidentally I was asking him uh, if I could shave um, <clears throat> because we don't have facilities within within our tank to shave we have to be taken to the barber shop so uh, the lieutenant uh, then told him and then this is a uh, uh, hearsay that uh, well don't uh, take him until he says sir and uh, fortunately another deputy came around and gave me a shave uh, because if he hadn't it I would have I would I would be forced to grow a beard down to my knees before I would uh, say sir if I wasn't given equal respect. This is uh, only to relate an attitude, but as far as uh, uh, physical uh, brutality, I haven't received that. Right. That's why you're here. What can you do? Um, well, occasionally uh, I get the paper about a day late or uh, I have a few books that I've been reading. It's pretty difficult to get reading materials in, um, but I have received a, a few books. So I spend most of my time reading and doing some writing. I wonder if you'd comment on something that struck me. Uh, lots of young uh, white people, young white people, especially from the middle class, have dropped out from the middle class way of life, but also from a lot of them from the activist role. Uh, in, uh, this hasn't happened among young black people. Uh, they sort of, uh, more or less, as a whole, uh, in general, uh, shunned the sort of the drift into uh, the dropouts of marijuana and everything like this. Can you account for this? <clears throat> uh, yes, that uh, among the dropouts, I uh, I uh, infer that you're speaking of the hippies yes. saying uh, hate Ashbury, and that uh, if you you analyze the, the hippies or the hippie movement, you'll find that most of them uh, were uh, middle class uh, or members of a middle class family, uh, the upper lower middle class. And uh, these families have had uh, about every material thing that they could desire. And uh, also, uh, this class have had the, uh, the uh, opportunity to become uh, uh, well educated. And uh, through this, they realize uh, how bankrupt the uh, the American system is, the government system, and that uh, as far as uh, as far as them participating in it, uh, they've chosen not to participate after their enlightenment. You see, after their education and after they've analyzed the system. So, uh, because they are in a state of dismay about change, because of the tremendous technology of this country sort of broken their spirit and they dropped out because uh, the country uh, has a great military and economical power and they've, uh, they've concluded that uh, they can make uh, very little change. So they've dropped out. Uh, black people in general are, are not middle class, that uh, we're socially and economically of the lower class uh, and that uh, we haven't uh, receive the basic things that we want because of the system, uh, because of a tremendous uh, uh, 
uh, spirit because of a great revolutionary fervor that we've had, that we've kept ever since we were brought here to this country uh, from Africa. Uh, we have not been broken, and we're still striving, and we uh, say that uh, our spirit is greater than the technology de technological developments, and that we, we can and will make changes. So uh, we uh, don't have time for anyone who's dropped out of the, uh, the struggle for freedom. Uh, there are a lot of people interested in uh, the executive mandate number three that you've issued uh, to the Black Panther Party. Uh, would you care to comment on that? Um, this was the, the mandate that... Uh, would you care to comment on that? Uh, yes, the, the, the uh, mandate number three are, is this uh, demand uh, from the Black Panther Party speaking for the black community. And uh, we... Uh, have uh, within the mandate we admonish the uh, the racist police force that uh, if they continue to uh, break down our doors and be aggressive towards us and inflict brutality upon us, that uh, we will be forced to protect our home front. That uh, the part party members have experienced uh, Bobby Seale, uh, the chairman in particular have experienced the police breaking down the door and uh, coming into his house without a warrant and acting in a criminal fashion. And uh, we maintain the right to protect ourselves from criminals. That when the police come in uh, to our house acting as a criminal, uh, he should be brought to justice uh, by the occupants of that house. And uh, because we, uh, in the mandate, we relate the, the, uh, the uh, Valentine's Day uh, massacre that uh, gangsters dressed up in uh, police uh, uniforms under the leadership of uh, Al Capone, and that uh, because uh, they were dressed up in police uniforms, they were admitted into uh, the house uh, of these individuals who uh, turned out to be their victims. And uh, so, in other words, just because a man has on a police uniform uh, doesn't uh, make him a representative of justice and representative uh, representatives of a peacemaker uh, or a peace officer. That um, he could be a, a wolf dressed, dressed in sheep clothing, and that uh, we realize this, and we would like the police to know that at any time they break down our door. Uh, uh, and justly, uh, without a warrant and without any uh, provocation whatsoever, that we're going to defend ourselves against them. I think that covers it. One last question. I, no, but are you and uh, other Black Panthers working uh, out a concept of what you'd like this country to be like, with some specifics of what will replace this system one day? Um, yes, that uh, the Black Panther Party. Uh, you note has demanded uh, full employment. Uh, we've demanded uh, uh, decent housing. Uh, we've demanded uh, good education and uh, justice. And uh, we feel that this uh, the, the system as it is is uh, cannot give this to us. And we say that any time a man is born, the system, uh, the American capitalistic uh, imperialistic system has never been able to employ all of all of its people and that uh, uh, particularly because of the, uh, the greed of the private owner uh, and the so-called free enterprise. We uh, note that uh, when the American uh, white people speak of free enterprise uh, that goes along with the idea of capitalism, that uh, 
they uh, assume that everyone has had the freedom of competition uh, to compete with the next fellow, and uh, it turned out the man who works hardest uh, will have the uh, will benefit will reap more. This doesn't hold true for black people, that when the move to the West where uh, this free enterprise was working uh, fairly well for white people, they were staking up land and the one that would, uh, uh, as we are now, we've, we've never been given a chance to participate in the so-called free enterprise. We built uh, this country because uh, the industrial system was built upon slave labor in the South, and that uh, we made it possible for this country to industrialize. And that that uh, we say because we've never benefited by free enterprise and private ownership, then uh, we uh, could not uh, stand for this. This is, this is not a, uh, a good goal for us. So we say that whenever a man is born on a soil, he has a right to live. Uh, and to live, that he's going to have to work. And uh, if, if he can't work because of some physical reason, then it's up to the administrators of that country uh, to support the individual because of his right to live. Now, if the, if the administration says that, uh, well, we just can't possibly employ our people, then we say that system has to be changed, and we say that we'll put in new administrators who are really interested in the welfare of the people of the country. And uh, as far as the means of production, we say that if the, if the way the means of production are being handled now, if it's not working, then it has to change. If private owners can't give full employment, then we say that then the means of production be taken away from them, put in the people's hands. We'll have managers or administrators to run our production system for the welfare of uh, the people in general of the country. So we say that uh, this is the richest country in the world and that we're sure that the country can give it full employment if it wanted to. If, if uh, you didn't have the greed of profit and racism in the country, tomorrow you could have full, uh, uh, full employment. Mr. Carmichael recently said that um, socialism does not suit the black people, communism doesn't suit the black people, but he omitted to say that capitalism doesn't suit the black people. Do you think uh, that is significant, or uh, from what you've said, I take it you don't think capitalism has serve the interests of the black people? Uh, uh, Prime Minister of the Black Panther Party, Stokely Carmichael, uh, said that uh, communism hadn't answered the problem of uh, black people because it didn't relate to racism. Uh, uh, he, he said that, uh, I remember him saying that uh, capitalism didn't answer the, the question either. Uh, perhaps I'm wrong on that, but as I read it, that uh, he said that capitalism did not answer uh, the need of black people. Now, I, believe, uh, I believe he said that it was irrelevant at this particular time. Uh, I don't think he was making a projected analysis of the subject I now. bring this up because it's confused no, some no, people, no, and what, I think clarification is good. What I want, what I if you just, uh, if you uh, say that if you had a communist structure here in America, a communist structure without relating to racism, uh, communism relates to an economical system uh, that uh, the means of production will be in hands of the people and the people will put administrators up to run their uh, production machinery and 
there will be no profit. There will only be wages that will go back into the community and uh, and uh, for the general welfare of the people. Now, if you just treat it uh, per se as communism in this country, I would say that it wouldn't work. I would say until you get rid of racism, racism is a psychological thing uh, that, that stems all the way back to England uh, and uh, Europe uh, in general. That uh, when uh, the when the European met the African, and that uh, I have some my own opinions about what happened uh, during that time, or some conclusions that I've drawn about it. Uh, for instance, that uh, I think it goes so deeply uh, psychologically as uh, the, the difference and uh, the culture of the European, the difference in the culture of the African, and particularly in how the European uh, worship. For instance, the European had this. Uh, this one God that he said defined as all good, and he was uh, <clears throat> he was created in the image of this God, and of course God can do no wrong, and that uh, <clears throat> that uh, since he was God-like, he could do no wrong. And uh, as far as sexual drives and so forth, this had no place in God's mind, so therefore it shouldn't have any place in the European mind. And uh, because the Europeans started to be sick then, because uh, this was a, a, a big deviation from the human nature, uh, sex drives. That uh, so he was looking for witches and uh, everything else to blame his own uh, uh, human nature on, and uh, he couldn't fall beneath the grace of God. So he would say that, no, I'm not causing this within myself. So someone else must be. Then you have the contact with the African. Who had, uh, who always had uh, a god that was, um, that uh, was, uh, we call it dualism. Uh, and uh, in Europe, you had absolutism. You, and uh, in Africa, south of Sahara, uh, where most, from where most black people came, you have this, uh, you have dualism, where the god has uh, two or more heads, and um, one good head and one bad head. And the African was created in God's own image, and that. Uh, when uh, he was out of the good grace of the good head that uh, he would try to manipulate and get back in so that the bad head couldn't uh, do him any wrong. But yet uh, he uh, recognized himself as both bad and good. So he had self-acceptance. And uh, he didn't need to put off his uh, human drives on other people. When the European met the African, this was a good person for him to say that these people are vulgar, these people are, um, are, uh, are uh, pagans, and uh, every other kind of uh, derogatory word. So uh, this was, uh, it had nothing to do right at the present moment of any economical thing. It was strictly a difference in culture and a sick mentality of the European. And I say that you have the European coming to America here and made up uh, the uh, the American colony, and he brought this uh, this uh, this psychological sickness with him. And uh, as far as an economical structure changing his sick mind, I doubt if this will happen. He needs uh, he needs a psychiatrist or some mental therapy. And I say that uh, as far as uh, economically, black people cannot profit by capitalism uh, within this structure. And that uh, as far as uh, socialism solving the problem per se and all together, I doubt seriously whether, whether it can. I believe that it can solve the economical problem. But as far as the, uh, the mental attitude, who is to say that after we choose these representatives that, uh, that uh, and everyone uh, is profiting, are supposed to profit by the, the, uh, 
the wealth or the materials that are in the country, who's to say that this even is not going to be dis uh, uh, handled in, uh, in a way of discrimination? So I say that any time we talk about a political or economical thing, we can't just uh, uh, dismiss the psychological part. You're looking for a more complete and fuller ideology and a more advanced one. That's right. It's true, is it not, uh, Huey, that uh, uh, racism got its birth through economic reasons so that uh, one group could superimpose its economic power over the other? That's I, I would agree with that. I, I think that uh, uh, a prime thing was the economical rape of Africa, but at the same time, why did the European choose uh, the African south of Sahara to enslave? Now, uh, some accounts I've read by Basil Davison and Melvin J. Herskovich uh, uh, stated that it's on record that the, um, um, the priest are in Spain uh, said, made a statement that uh, don't enslave those uh, African south, uh, north of Sahara because uh, they worship one God. And, uh, but it's all right to enslave the Africans uh, south of Sahara because uh, they, uh, they are pagans and they, they're, they're not humans. They, they lack a soul. So uh, I'm saying that what has happened, uh, they needed this, this justification to uh, condone their, their economical exploitation, but this sort of ran haywire. After it, it started being embedded so that the economical structure could go on that uh, black people are, uh, don't have souls are inferior, and now you run into a problem where that uh, it's handled uh, people who don't understand the economical situation has still been embedded with the value system that black is bad and black is uh, you uh, you uh, uh, black is evil. Thank you, Mr. Newton. The foregoing interview is copyright 1968 by the Huey P. Newton Defense Fund, without whose specific consent no reproduction or publication of Mr. Newton's remarks can be made. This is Colin Edwards. Welcome back. And uh, that was a lengthy uh, interview uh, with uh, Dr. Huey P. Newton uh, in 1968, um, March 7, 1968, at the Alameda County Courthouse, um, sitting alongside uh, Charles Gary and uh, Eldridge Cleaver, uh, who was Minister of Information of the Black Panther Party at that time, and also a uh, correspondent for Ramparts uh, Magazine. And um, we're paying tribute uh, to uh, Dr. Huey P. Newton uh, just two days ago, represented the 80th anniversary of his birth uh, on February 17th of 1942. And uh, that interview represented uh, some of the uh, thinking of the uh, late Dr. Huey P. Newton and the Black Panther Party uh, in March of 1968. Um, after this break, we're going to hear uh, more uh, in terms of his uh, thought at the uh, onset of his release uh, from two and a half years of detention in California. He gave an interview to the same radio station, uh, KPFA, uh, in uh, August, August 11th of 1970, right after he was released uh, on appeal uh, for uh, the death of a police officer and the wounding of another in uh, October of 1967. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more of our program.
Welcome back. And uh, that was uh, the legendary uh, Betty Davis, uh, who uh, made her transition uh, just earlier uh, this month. And uh, that was from uh, 1969 recordings. That tune was entitled uh, Hanging Out. And uh, Betty Davis, of course, a legendary uh, figure uh, in the pop rock uh, scene uh, during the late 1960s and early 1970s. one time uh, married to Miles Davis, uh, the trumpeter, 
and of course uh, was friends uh, with Jimi Hendrix, uh, Devin Wilson, and uh, many others. And uh, of course um, did tours uh, during uh, the 1970s around the United States uh, to promote our albums. And uh, right now we want to move back uh, into our tribute to Dr. Huey P. Newton. The audio file we just heard um, presented an interview with him on March 7th of 1968 uh, during the early phase of uh, the defense campaign uh, to free uh, Huey Newton, uh, which went went worldwide um, in 1968. And of course, um, Huey P. Newton uh, was released in August of 1970 and then uh, delivered an interview uh, as well to KPFA on August 11th of 1970. Uh, let's listen in to this interview. I'm in the studio with Huey P. Newton. We have not had anything but your voice here before, Huey. And uh, now we have you. Uh, you've been inside for 33 months. Uh, when you went in, uh, it was rather a different world for black and white people than it is now. And you have come out to uh, make your contribution to both the black and the white world. And I think that the way we'd better arrange this particular talk uh, is to go first into some of the very immediate things which uh, you find yourself facing and then perhaps return to some of the more basic things that you would like to share with the audience. Uh, One of the events which has happened uh, within the last six days since you've been out uh, is the very tragic situation in Marin County and uh, its effect on the Soledad brothers' case. It is my understanding uh, that... uh, the Panthers are going to offer their support, and perhaps you would like to tell us something about the events of the next few days regarding that specific thing. Uh, we won't only offer our support. The uh, Black Panther Party will administer the funeral. Uh, it will be a revolutionary funeral of, uh, of uh, Brother uh, Jonathan Jackson and uh, Brother William uh, Christmas and... Uh, uh, Brother McLean has been his body has been shipped to uh, Los Angeles, uh, so the uh, the Black Panther Party will administer and give uh, these uh, revolutionary comrades a revolutionary funeral which they deserve, and uh, we're inviting uh, uh, the people uh, to the uh, funeral. Of course, uh, we would uh, be very happy if we have that support from the community. It will be encouraging to the family and to the revolution as a whole. <clears throat> Uh, because uh, I feel we feel that uh, the event uh, that occurred in Marin was certainly a, a colossal event, and uh, it has changed the whole relationship uh, between the oppressed and the oppressor. The funeral will be held at St. Augustine Church on 27th and West Street uh, this Saturday at 9 o'clock, and uh, we're inviting everyone uh, uh, to come. Uh, we feel that uh, uh, because of the consciousness of uh, 
uh, the three comrades uh, who were killed, who were murdered, uh, that uh, the event uh, is even more important or was more important than uh, what occurred in uh, Watts, the Watts uh, uprising, or the uh, even the Detroit uprising, which was a uh, sporadic, uh, 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 unorganized uh, uprising. Uh, it uh, lacked the, the consciousness and uh, certainly uh, lacked the uh, revolutionary fervor exemplified in the move of uh, uh, Brother Jonathan Jackson in particular. Uh, Brother uh, Jonathan Jackson, uh, 17-year-old, um, who uh, has no, uh, had no prison record uh, whatsoever, um, he acted strictly upon uh, a principle that uh, says that the uh, corrupt uh, racist uh, uh, lords uh, can make no law that the oppressed people are bound to respect. Well, it certainly has opened up this whole this whole Soledad case has opened up uh, a very much more close examination and I think awareness on the part of the whole community of the situations inside the prisons and inside the courtrooms. Uh, for example, uh, I believe it is true that the prosecuting attorney in this case was married to the niece of the judge. Yes. Uh, that, I believe, is technically uh, illegal, and yet uh, this is the kind of thing which could happen normally, uh, and no one would know the difference. Uh, uh, if it had not been for the uh, shooting of the three black men at Soledad and the subsequent uh, murder of the white guard, uh, the conditions in O-Wing at Soledad would never have been known. In other words, it opens up the whole subject of political prisoners and the conditions inside our prisons, and perhaps you would like to comment on that. Uh, yes, it's historically correct as the struggle intensifies, as the battle uh, 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 intensifies that uh, the evils of the oppressor is uh, focused upon. And this is why that uh, he time and time again uh, tries to define uh, the oppressed people and the revolutionaries who are the vanguard of the people's struggle and the people's interests uh, as criminals. The uh, bourgeoisie uh, would like uh, us to believe that, uh, that uh, a group of hoodlums or criminals uh, are the only people who would uh, use uh, certain methods uh, to liberate themselves. Uh, the bourgeoisie reserves the right to use force. Uh, and if anyone else uh, uh, uses force to, uh, in, in an attempt as a last resort to uh, gain his dignity and uh, secure his manhood, uh, then uh, uh, we're faced with the, we're bombarded with uh, the propaganda machine of the uh, of the uh, mass media that's controlled, uh, that is an institution controlled by the bourgeoisie. Uh, the Soledad uh, brothers are also some very revolutionary brothers. They were uh, are framed up on uh, the execution of a policeman at Soledad uh, shortly after uh, three uh, blacks uh, uh, were killed uh, in, uh, a, uh, in the adjustment center and one white wounded, and this was a planned assassination, 
and there was much evidence, and uh, it was common knowledge among the prisoners exactly uh, uh, how the plot went. But uh, this was suppressed, and subsequently the uh, the prison guard was given a justifiable homicide, uh, as always. Uh, uh, shortly after this, the guard was killed, and uh, which was a very revolutionary act. Uh, some patriots, uh, some members of the, uh, the People's Revolutionary Force, uh, certainly did the act, but three Soledad brothers are innocent. They were framed up because of, of a long history of speaking out against the treacherous tactics of the, of the uh, prison guards. Uh, uh, George Jackson has spent uh, some 10 years in prison on a one-to-life. Normally, a person would get out in uh, two years uh, or two and a half years on a one-to-life. But because of his uh, uh, political consciousness, they felt him too dangerous to be on the street. Uh, perhaps he went into jail. I believe he went into jail for, excuse me, a strong-arm robbery or, or some common crime, uh, which uh, probably has political overtones within itself. But uh, the prison kept him so long until he had the time to really become conscious, and this is when they uh, started to uh, be afraid to let him out. If he had remained unconscious and loyal to their uh, capitalistic state, uh, then he would have certainly been out uh, some years ago. But uh, I believe you also have uh, very specific views uh, on the subject of capital punishment, which is also a part of our prison system. Uh, yes, uh, the Black Panther Party plans to uh, send an open letter to the U.S. Supreme Court, and uh, the gist of the thrust of the letter uh, would be that, uh, first of all, we realize that capital punishment is reserved for uh, poor people and uh, people of color. And uh, we c this is easily, uh, 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 we can easily uh, see this uh, when we examine uh, the uh, uh, death row and we see that only poor whites and uh, blacks and Mexicans uh, and other uh, colored uh, people or black people or people of color uh, reach the uh, reach death row. So it's strictly a class thing, and it's high time that someone uh, intervenes between the madman and the people. Uh, we uh, view the uh, judicial system uh, as a uh, as not only a, a corrupt uh, uh, institution that's there to preserve the status and the power of the bourgeoisie or those who own, uh, but also as a group of treacherous murderers. And uh, we uh, will uh, serve notice upon the Supreme Court uh, because uh, that something must be done, the death penalty must be uh, outlawed, or else uh, there will be a political consequence. We'll intensify the struggle, and, uh, and uh, we uh, will stop this uh, slaughter. Huey, uh, one of the things that you mentioned at your press conference, which has been widely uh, commented on, and uh, which you didn't have a chance to go into in any depth, uh, was uh, your uh, suggestion that the Panther Party was going to send what you referred to as troops uh, to uh, Vietnam. Uh, yes, <clears throat> that uh, we have committed uh, 
um, a undisclosed, undisclosed number of uh, troops uh, to the Revolutionary uh, People's Republic of Vietnam, uh, to the uh, National Liberation Front, the uh, provisional government in the South. Uh, we offer these troops and, uh, in the spirit of uh, revolutionary solidarity, and uh, we are awaiting a, a response. Uh, there's been some indication that the uh, response uh, uh, will be favorable. Uh, the Vietnamese people and the people of the world in general are very impressed, and uh, we feel justified uh, in committing these troops. Uh, even though uh, we realize we have many problems here, uh, domestic problems, uh, but uh, we feel that uh, because the oppressor also has uh, d domestic problems and he still finds time to meddle in other people's business, uh, to slaughter people throughout the world, certainly we can find time to aid our friends. Well, uh, the question arises, um, what would the status of, uh, of such people be uh, I've heard the word, it, wouldn't that be treason? Um, uh, uh, my understanding of treason is uh, when uh, uh, a, uh, a patriot uh, aids the enemy uh, in, uh, under a condition of a declared war. and uh, Giving first, aid and comfort to the enemy in a time of war. Yes, uh, and the first thing that we view the Vietnamese people, and certainly the American people view the Vietnamese people not as enemies, but as friends. Uh, this, was, uh, this has been demonstrated uh, through the many uh, peace mobilizations, uh, and also that uh, there's a, uh, America has a history of committing uh, of, of troops or American citizens fighting in foreign armies. Uh, uh, Americans fought in the, the Spanish Civil War against the fascist Franco, uh, there are Americans fighting now in uh, Israel uh, in the Israeli army. Uh, there were uh, Americans committed to the Can Canadian army in World War II. And uh, only uh, at that time, uh, uh, the ruling circle saw it in their interest uh, to not to uh, prosecute or not to charge these men with, with treason. Uh, working from this uh, we say that uh, it doesn't fall under treason because there's no declared war, number one. The war is illegal, and if they want to charge us with treason, we invite them to do so because in order to, uh, to prove uh, treason, we would first have to put the war on trial to see if the war is a legal war, uh, and we would be very happy to do that. We're willing to make uh, any revolutionary sacrifice uh, necessary in order to advance uh, the uh, interests of the people of the world. In other words, you're not uh, worried about the idea that the people who went there uh, might lose their citizenship? No, of course not, because uh, the first thing that uh, we couldn't be uh, worried about the, uh, a, a simple thing such as an American citizenship when uh, the brothers who go there might lose their lives. So. Uh, our uh, concern is to uh, is to uh, see that the fasc the fascist imperialist uh, is whipped and driven uh, uh, back to his own country, and we have friends everywhere we can hear the imperialist whip cr uh, crack, and uh, we view the developing countries of the world as uh, the countryside of the world, and uh, as one 
country as uh, as one developing country uh, becomes free uh, and it advances the freedom of all of us uh, because until we choke the imperialist uh, raw material uh, which uh, he gets from the developing country, which he rapes and robs from the developing country, there will be no chance of liberation at home here. In other words, that we see a definite connection between our enslavement, uh, our exploitation, uh, and the exploitation of the Vietnamese people and the people of Cambodia, Thailand, Latin America, Asia, and, and Africa. Um, so we we intend not not only to send troops to Vietnam, but eventually we're willing to go anywhere in the world where we have comrades. Well, that brings me to the next subject I'd like you to discuss, and that is that the revolutionary movement all over the world has changed appreciably in the last three years um, among the white radicals, among the black people, among the third world people in general. Uh, I know that uh, during the time that you were inside, that you were aware of these things from a factual standpoint, uh, that you spent your time studying and uh, preparing yourself. Uh, but how does it strike you uh, now as you emerge to find a national, even an international movement among young people of all races all over the world, and where do you think it's going to go? Uh, it's definitely going to go to victory, and I'm overwhelmed with joy uh, that uh, I'm able to see uh, uh, the unity that is existing between the, uh, the, uh, uh, among the, uh, the people who are oppressed, oppressed not only nationally but internationally. Um, uh, we feel that uh, in order for us here in America uh, to eliminate the evils of the world, we must uh, eliminate imperialism and an international uh, bourgeoisie uh, that finds its strength here uh, in Babylon or uh, North America. In order to do this, the Black Panther Party takes a stand that our party is no longer uh, a uh, revolutionary nationalist party, but we're revolutionary internationalists. We're revolutionary socialists because we're fighting a, uh, an international uh, bourgeoisie, so necessarily uh, we would, our, uh, our uh, tactics and strategies would have to be based upon internationalism. Uh, that doesn't mean that we uh, reject or denounce other countries that uh, are fighting wars of national liberation. Um, countries such as Vietnam, um, we feel that has, have a right uh, for self-determination and uh, surely uh, uh, independence and uh, because, uh, uh, number one, <clears throat> that they've uh, never oppressed uh, uh, other countries. They don't operate an empire. They operate a country, while America is no longer a country, but it's an empire. So, therefore, we can't even speak in terms of nationalism because nationalism uh, perpetrated in this country has enslaved the world. This country has no right any longer to be a nationalist country because it's, it's stolen the wealth from every developing country in the world in order to build a high standard of living here uh, for the ruling circle, that is. And uh, because 
of these evils that uh, this country must uh, must uh, think in terms of transforming the world and replenishing the world, sharing uh, with the developing countries in a friendship way and even uh, being obligated to them, uh, obligated to them in the sense that uh, this country has been a pirate and a robber and now uh, it's only justified that this country pays off. And this is why the, uh, the uh, party, uh, the Black Panther Party, uh, is hooked up with uh, every struggling liberation front in the world because uh, only through this uh, unity uh, are we able to defeat such a powerful, uh, treacherous enemy. And you do not see it uh, either as a national uh, struggle purely, nor do you see it uh, as a racial struggle purely. Uh, it's not a... Uh, uh, as far as this country is concerned, that uh, the struggle cannot even take a national character. Um, uh, it must be take an international character because uh, what you have is, is not a nation. It's an empire, so therefore we can't relate to it as something that it's not. Uh, as far as racism is concerned, that uh, we realize our racism is rampant in this country, and uh, we, uh, this is why that... Uh, uh, in spite of the fact that we're working uh, towards a, uh, socialist, a socialist society, we're not under the illusion that this would automatically uh, wipe out racism. Uh, it's uh, known in sociology uh, that when a structure changes or physical structure changes or social structure changes, uh, usually uh, there's a lag between the attitudes of the values. It's called cultural lag. And uh, I'm sure this uh, concept would also uh, be true uh, if, uh, when we uh, receive our socialist victory. We'll lay the foundation or the structure to change the attitudes, uh, but until that time, that we'll have to use certain precautions in order to protect ourselves from racism. And uh, some of these uh, way, some, uh, ways we'll work is to uh, ask for uh, some autonomy in our uh, community uh, complete control, matter of fact, of our local community, uh, the institutions therein. Uh, we would like uh, to operate our institutions as uh, collectives or co-ops, if you will, uh, owned by the whole community and supported by uh, the uh, national uh, enterprises that will be somewhat, that will be centralized, but a public, uh, excuse me, that uh, will be a, a public institution. For instance, uh, General Motors, uh, Standard Oil, and uh, the big monopolies, uh, the 76 companies that uh, control the American economy. According to the Johnson's uh, report on civil disorders, there's 76 uh, monopolies or oligarchies uh, that control the country. These will, uh, we would demand that on every level that uh, people of color be represented. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the various communities will place these uh, administrators in just as, uh, just as now uh, elections are held to place mayors in and so forth. Uh, the wealth, uh, there will be no profit uh, uh, any longer. It would only be a surplus, and this surplus from these national enterprises will be distributed in some sort of equal way to the many ethnic uh, 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 minority communities all of the communities uh, will receive uh, a proportion of the wealth. So we call this proportional, rep proportional representation in a socialist framework. 
if there's any uh, if there's hap if there happens to be any whites living in the in the black community or vice versa or any uh, Mexicans or uh, Indians uh, or any uh, uh, ethnic uh, group member who uh, would be a minority living in any of the other uh, ethnic uh, communities, then he will have a democratic participation in these uh, institutions. Uh, in other words, that uh, we will uh, make sure that uh, a foundation will be laid uh, to work towards a society that will be essentially human, uh, a culture that will be essentially human, and a revolutionary culture, and that is a culture that's in, uh, that is dynamic and in, that is in constant change for the uh, uh, and with the well-being of uh, man and mind. Well, when you speak. Uh of revolution, uh, which uh, means uh, a number of things besides uh, guns, uh, I notice that that does not preclude in your mind uh, things that might be termed reformist in the sense, uh, for example, of the community police control bill. You are in <clears throat> favor of people working for that type of reform measure. Uh, yes, I believe that uh that uh, reform must be integrated with revolution. Uh, reforms are all right. Uh, reforms are good as long as they don't uh, uh, put up an obstacle to your final revolutionary goal. Uh, many times reforms aid the uh, revolutionary uh, uh, vanguard in mobilizing people against the oppressor. And uh, in Berkeley now, that uh, the Black Panther Party with uh, members of the Peace and Freedom Party uh, have worked to, uh, to uh, have the uh, police decentralized. Uh, we are on the ballot now. Uh, I believe it took some of what, uh, in the range of 15,000 signatures to get on the, battle, on the ballot, and uh, we made that with, e with ease. And I will ask uh, the community to support this. Uh, I would like to ask all progressive people to support the decentralization of the pe police uh, in Berkeley. This would be de the police would be decentralized into four uh, police departments: one for students, one for blacks, and uh, one for white. Um, this would uh, uh, the local community would uh, erect a board uh, to control uh, the police behavior and to examine it and uh, to examine. Uh, complaints uh, from uh, the community about the police. Uh, uh, this way the police will lose that character of being uh, uh, like a foreign army that, that's occupying territory, who don't live in the territory, but they only are there to uh, ensure the interests of the wealthy or the property people in the area. Um, we feel that uh, that uh, this is a step in the right direction. It certainly uh, uh, is a necessary step, but it's not uh, sufficient. And we realize it for what it is as uh, a step in the right direction because the final victory will come when we're able to decentralize the wealth of uh, such institutions as Bank of America and General Motors and then make that wealth serve uh, the interests of the people and not serve the interests of the profit monger. Uh, this will be the final victory of the people, but uh, we must uh, fight each battle at, at a time. And uh, while uh, the police are only the uh, agents and the lackeys of the uh, of the uh, bourgeoisie and the uh, the the, uh, the big owners, uh, 
we realized that uh, in order for uh, us to fight uh, these big owners, we must fight the ordinary uh, local police, uh, which is the local foot soldier. Just as the Vietnamese, in order to fight American imperialism, must fight the ordinary soldier who's only a lackey uh, for uh, the bourgeoisie and the ruling circle here in America. So, uh, and also uh, uh, that how students end up fighting certain uh, teachers who uh, support the reactionary uh, uh, designs, the action, reactionary uh, uh, regents, and uh, the governor, the uh, running dog, Governor Reagan. Uh, in order to uh, to down Reagan, many of much of the time we have to uh, have conflict with uh, ordinary, uh, their ordinary protectors, whether they're teachers, local police, or uh, the military. We have to deal with that. But we know the final victory and uh, the real meaningful uh, uh, victory uh, will be to uh, decentralize the wealth of the, uh, of the, uh, the rich or oppressors. In other words, what you are saying is that you feel that reformism and revolution can and should go hand in hand in, in, in this society. Yes, as long as, or any other society, as long as uh, your reform does not, uh, uh, is not obstacle, does not put an obstacle in the way of your final goal. There are many reforms I could think of if handled uh, in the wrong way uh, would, uh, uh, would, uh, would, uh, make it uh, impossible or very uh, difficult uh, for you to achieve your revolutionary goal. Uh, we must make very sure that the, our reforms are well thought out and we explain to the people on the way uh, the significance and also the dangers of uh, accepting certain com compromises from the oppressor. Uh, as long as we don't try to drop a plan on the people's head and as long as we take their interest in consideration and give them time, uh, even though uh, much of the time they don't claim to be theoreticians or politicians uh, or scholars. Uh, they don't understand, and we have to take a uh, uh, take much. Uh, sometimes we have to take much time. Some revolutionaries think too much time to explain to the people. But we, the Black Panther Party, has, has found that uh, after taking this time, it, it pays off. Uh, because we move even faster uh, than we would have if we had attempted to just conclude, uh, uh, make conclusions for the people and go ahead without their support and without their uh, uh, help. That brings me to another question. How, uh, Huey, do you visualize the development of the Black Panther Party? There's been a good deal of discussion as to whether or not uh, this was a mass party or whether it was simply uh, going to be an elitist leadership cadre uh, focusing on education and so on, but not having uh, a mass membership. Well, um, those I don't think those terms that will fit squarely into either of the uh, of the uh, of the terms that you've just given, because our party uh, is a vanguard party, but the strength is based upon the mass support. And uh, we, uh, 
our, we work uh, directly with the people in many uh, programs. We're starting a shoe uh, program where we will sh uh, uh, make shoes. When I was in prison, uh, um, I found that uh, many inmates uh, became very expert and uh, many convicts became very expert in making shoes and uh, boots. And uh, these shoes are used uh, to shoe the uh, prison population and also they're sold to uh, other government agencies. Of course, the prisoners only get two cents an hour for this. But uh, the point I'm attempting to make is that uh, the community, many of the people in the community here in the north and the south, the children go without shoes in the south and Beaufort County. There's a tremendous problem of parasites. Uh, the people, uh, as soon as uh, they're cleaned up, uh, the parasites have gotten out or driven out of their stomachs uh, or they're cured. Uh, they pick up parasites again because they don't have shoes and they walk on the ground and pick them up. So we plan to buy, uh, with the help of the people, uh, to uh, lease or buy an old shoe factory and uh, uh, put ex-convicts into these shoe factories. Uh, and the convicts will teach the people in the community uh, how to make the shoes. And uh, a shoe, a, a work shoe, uh, can be made for about a dollar and a half uh, or two dollars. And uh, we plan to uh, re not only repair, but to make shoes and shoe the children and the adults in the community and the South. Uh, so uh, the, the party is uh, uh, a vanguard party, so therefore we don't uh, expect uh, 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 millions of people to be in membership. But uh, it's not a club or, or anything like that. And uh, really, we have millions of people in because everyone, uh, we're working for the people's interests and everyone who sympathizes and supports and uh, does anything, uh, we uh, uh, view him as a member. And uh, he's certainly a member of the oppressed uh, class and therefore, uh, necessarily, he's the backbone of the revolution. Uh, I think that uh, this is almost a classical thing if we, if we observe uh, other revolutions in other uh, countries that uh, all of, in, in every uh, case, that most of the people in the country were not uh, 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 a member in the sense of holding office in the revolutionary band. But uh, uh, the revolutionary band was so dependent on the people until they uh, would say that uh, they could not be tracked by the uh, regular army because uh, when they were with the people, they were like a fish in the sea. And uh, we must be like that. We must, uh, the community uh, uh, must support us to the point uh, that when we're uh, being pursued, they will give us aid without asking too many questions uh, because much of the time, there's no time for such questions. Um, I would like to back up a little and uh, say something else about uh, Marin. Um, I named uh, the uh, three uh, brothers who uh, who were uh, killed. Uh, there's a fourth brother, uh, a comrade, a revolutionary who's in the hospital uh, by the name of uh, McGee, uh, uh, Rochelle McGee, and that uh, we have him in mind and that uh, uh, I'm asking the people to support in every way. Um, we also want to make a charge uh, that uh, the revolutionary people are never interested in murder. 
that uh, it's only the oppressor who's interested in murder, and this was demonstrated in Marin because the revolutionaries did not did not uh, fire the first shot. They were interested in uh, and uh, getting out uh, of the prison. Uh, sh the statement was made that uh, by uh, one of the uh, comrades that uh, I've been imprisoned uh, so many years, too many years, that uh, uh, remove these chains, uh, I must be set free, so help me God. And he addressed the jury and said this, and uh, it was really uh, an explanation to the jury on uh, why he had to take certain actions. And this is uh, incumbent, this is uh, a revolutionary's obligation to always explain, explain his action uh, to the people and uh, so that they will know and uh, that uh, they were interested in that and uh, taking hostages and uh, they would have released the hostages. They wanted freedom. But uh, the police uh, have stated, uh, Matthews, uh, the prison guard, who stated that he fired the first shot. Uh, there's some uh, contradiction because uh, the uh, district attorney uh, has said, Thomas has said that he fired uh, uh, the first shot, but uh, no one, uh, everyone is aware that the revolutionaries uh, did not uh, uh, fire the first shot. Jonathan, uh, 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 William Christmas, or uh, McLean uh, did not fire the first shot. So that shows that uh, the police, the uh, the fascist police are responsible for the judge's death, and uh, the fascist police are are responsible showing, for showing a disregard for everyone in that courtroom, including the jury. And uh, I hope that the people see uh, that uh, for what it really is. It shows that uh, the oppressor and the fascist police are more interested in apprehending some revolutionaries, uh, more interested in that than uh, preserving human life. And uh, we uh, charge them with that. We charge them uh, with being insensitive to the people. And that is why that uh, the Vanguard Party, uh, with the help of the people, uh, will uh, now intervene in that struggle and intensify our struggle and uh, go on to victory. What do you see as the developing relationship between the black radical movement and the white and third world movement. Uh, before I answer that, I, I would like to say one other thing about uh, Marin. Uh, okay. Uh, because uh, I'm very uh, disturbed about uh, what happened in Marin in more than one way uh, that uh, I, I uh, recognize, uh, not disturbed, uh, it's more of a feeling that uh, it's hard to express. Uh, I recognize what happened in Marin is purely uh, a revolutionary action. I think that uh, that the standard has been uh, set higher, that the struggle has been put on a higher level now, and that uh, all revolutionaries must recognize that, and that uh, one other charge that I would like to make against uh, uh, the, uh, the corrupt officials here, and that is that they uh, haven't shown, they claim to be so uh, interested in people, democracy, and so forth, and human life, uh, and uh, they haven't shown the uh, the respect, not nearly as much respect as the corrupt governments of uh, of uh, of Latin America, of uh, uh, Uruguay, of uh, of uh, Brazil. 
these are fascist governments, and uh, they have shown more respect for human life than this so-called democracy. Uh, when uh, the revolutionaries in those countries uh, uh, took hostages and uh, ordered the, uh, the government to release uh, certain uh, political prisoners and prisoners of war, then uh, they did that. They did release them in order for, uh, on a number of occasions, in order uh, for the, uh, uh, to preserve life. But this country uh, uh, refuses to do that. So uh, I would like for the people to uh, keep that in mind and, uh, and uh, take some ne very necessary steps. Right. Uh, I would like to return to the question uh, about the relationship between the black movement and the white movement in this country and the Chicano, the Third World Movement in general, and how you visualize the proper and developing relationships among those groups? Um, I think we should... Uh, the Black Panther Party takes the position that uh, we must, uh, must uh, accept the reality in this country, and that is this country uh, uh, is a pluralistic country, ethnically speaking, and uh, culturally speaking, and that uh, first that we must recognize uh, that as a fact, that there are many uh, cultures here representing many uh, national minorities, and that uh, taking this under consideration, we will uh, see that uh, each ethnic minority has particular problems that uh, has to be solved uh, in, an, in a rather unique way. So uh, this is why uh, we say that uh, in order to... Uh, to uh, lay the foundation uh, or, or lay the, uh, or get a base to solve these problems, first we have to transform society and uh, wipe out the, uh, the small ruling circle that's not interested in any of the people, only they're interested in their profit. So after this transformation, which will uh, necessarily be a social society, uh, we would like uh, the, all of the uh, ethnic minorities to be represented. Uh, before the uh, the victory, uh, we say that uh, we must uh, have uh, many coalitions with all of uh, groups, such as the uh, um, the uh, Third World Liberation Front uh, that uh, is now supporting uh, the uh, Six in uh, San Francisco, uh, Siete de la Raza. Uh, and uh, who are on trial now on trumped-up charges of killing a police officer, and uh, we, uh, the Black Panther Party, also supports them. Uh, we uh, have attempted to show our friendship and our concern by uh, supporting all people, uh, no matter what their color or ethnic background, who are fighting against this uh, common enemy, because in the end that we realize that, uh, that uh, culture... Uh, is a uh, a thing that uh, should enhance and uh, make man uh, feel free, and uh, also uh, a thing that would give him the power to create and a and a uh, to produce in a creative way, and uh, uh, based upon these two uh, criteria, that uh, that uh, we would like to see eventually, essentially, a human culture, and uh, we. W then uh, uh, the ideas of proportional representation, even local boundaries, uh, or uh, 
uh, after matter of fact after this imperialistic country this regime is ended uh we could even think in terms of uh of uh of uh the withering way of statehood period that there won't won't be any need for uh other countries to be nations uh because they won't be threatened by this country and uh there will just be people joined together in friendship and harmony and uh this is the kind of society we're working for where man will no longer be exploited by man and our love will exist uh, uh, among all of the people. Would you say then that uh, uh, it would be impossible to be a true socialist and be a racist? Uh, I think it's, uh, it's absurd to uh, say that uh, you're a socialist and you're also a racist because the socialist is interested in, in man and uh, man is a homo sapien or of the same species and that once we start making it a division on race, then that lets the the tide in to make divisions on uh, on uh, to, uh, many other class breakdowns. So uh, so uh, we want to see an end of the class system and all of the distinctions that would make one group privileged over another. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that we want an end to ethnic uh, groups. Uh, we uh, think there's a matter of beauty in the many uh, our, uh, ethnic cultures. It's rather like a bouquet. And uh, I think if it's, uh, if it's uh, viewed this way, uh, that uh, the world will be a much happier place and a more interesting place, and uh, it will be a coming together and a unity of man. And uh, with that, uh, as the Minister of Information, Eldridge Cleaver, said, we would have the essential miscegenation. Uh, that uh, and when our minister of information said this, he wasn't speaking uh, entirely of uh, race miscegenation, but uh, he was speaking of that complex whole where man uh, finally uh, reaches a unity with himself and with every other uh, living thing in the universe. And uh, this. Welcome back, and uh, that was. Dr. Huey P. Newton, uh, upon his release uh, from prison on August 11th, uh, 1970. And uh, we've heard two interviews uh, with uh, Huey P. Newton, one on March 7th, 1968, while he was incarcerated, and uh, this last interview uh, from uh, August 11th of 1970. And uh, we're going to be winding down our program for today. If you'd like to have access to this program, just go to uh, the Pan-African Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. If you'd like to read uh, the Pan-African Newswire, just go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. We're going to uh, close out with the music of Miles Davis and his album, A Tribute to Jack Johnson. This is Abayomi Azikawe signing off, and have a beautiful week.
Thank you.